As you know, Christianity is not a religion because we have a, a personal relationship with our God and our God is one who befriends us, is our friend. We are welcomed. We come to him in peace and in confidence. And so it's amazing how God always ties the, uh, the services together. We don't get together and, and sort of chat about who's doing what and what needs to be said. But um, what does your relationship with God look like? Fiona's been leading us through Psalm 25 and uh, a lot of it has been about getting to know God better. Trusting God, being led by God, show me your ways. What does your relationship with God look like? If somebody was to ask you, describe your relationship with God, could you do that? What's it look like? All other religions around the world are just that, they're religions, they're not relationships. And people never know whether they've pleased their God And they come to their God in fear. They come to their God with a sense of hopelessness in all of the other religions. Before Christ, those who sought to worship the God of the Hebrews also came lacking confidence. For most of them, they didn't know God. Most of them didn't have a personal relationship with God. And for most of them, their sin was ever before them ever in their minds. And this sin that was ever before them robbed them of their peace with God. From the beginning of chapter 10 in Hebrews, this highlights their predicament. Their annual sacrifices were a constant reminder of their sins and and their annual sacrifice didn't take away their sense of guilt. Verse 4, chapter 10, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. It's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Their their guilt was always before them. And so they would come, they would make their sacrifices year by year, and they hoped that God would be happy with that, happy with them. But verse 14 of chapter 10, halfway through, Jesus' sacrifice has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Jesus' sacrifice has made perfect forever those of you who are being made holy, is what the Hebrew writer is saying to them. And verse 18, where they have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. And so the people of the time, uh, the time of writing, were caught in this crossover between Judaism and Christianity. They're caught in the middle, in a sense, between religion and relationship. They're caught between temple-based sacrificial worship and now meeting in someone's home sharing communion Imagine the confusion, imagine the questioning, imagine the, the sense of, I need to get back to Psalm 25, would you lead me in your ways, Lord? 
I don't get it. This is the way it was always done. And so this is why the Hebrew writer writes the way he does. But imagine the freedom and the joy as the people come to understand and come to receive Jesus Christ, come to receive the Holy Spirit, come to a point where they love and appreciate God, him coming to them and they starting to get to know him personally, to meet with him anywhere, at any time, in peace and in confidence, no longer in fear. And so we come to our reading today based on the words that have all come before, particularly chapters 9, the start of chapter 10, where the writer is basically saying, because of all of this, then let's do that. Because God has, then let us worship him in spirit and in truth. Since we have a relationship with God, then what does our worship look like? And the same question applies to us. Since we have a relationship with God, what does our worship look like? We'll begin at verse 19 through to 21 at this point. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, and the sentence hasn't finished, but we'll stop at this point, since we have confidence, since we have a great high priest We have confidence to enter into God's presence because our confidence is in the precious blood of Jesus. And we were thinking about that two weeks ago. The precious blood of Jesus. Our confidence is in the perfect blood of Jesus given in our place. Such that our sin has now been removed. As far as the east is from the west. Our sin is no longer a barrier between God and us. Our sin has been removed. Chapter 9, verse 28. Christ was sacrificed once to do what? To take away the sins of many. To take it away. Remove our sin. Our confidence is in the perfect blood sacrifice of the perfect Lamb of God. He's opened up the new and living way into the holy of holies through the torn veil, that is, through Christ. For we come into the most holy place. What was once reserved for the the great high priest at the time, once a year, into the holy of holies, is open to us, into God's presence. Through the new and living way, it's been opened up for us. The old is now dead. We're under a new covenant. As Jesus said, this cup, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And Jesus also said, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. 
and I will raise them up at the last day. A new and living way because Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. The curtain was torn in two to help the people understand that the way to God is now through faith in Jesus. This must have been a radical paradigm shift for the Hebrew people. And so we're no longer held back by fear. And we were singing about that this morning. No fear. But we come to God confident that he's not about to strike us down. As it was for the priest as he entered into the the Holy of Holies, still in fear. Am I going to do something wrong and God strike me down? Our confidence is not in ourselves, but in the grace and the mercy of our loving Father. No matter how sinful we may have been, how sinful we may be, if we come humbly before him, he will receive us. We can be confident of that. He will receive us. Praise God. So don't let your shame or your guilt stop you from coming to God. You might have a sense of shame or guilt because of whatever you've done or you've said. Don't let that stop you from coming to God. He wants you to come to him. You can have complete confidence that he's ready to receive you ready to commune with you. You need to be aware that you are loved and accepted. Because of this new and living way, we're invited to draw near to God. Since we have confidence in the power of the blood of Jesus and since we have him as our great high priest, verse 22, let us... Because of all of this, since all of this, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the guilty conscience. The the sin's gone, the guilt is gone. Having our bodies washed with pure water. This is actually less of an invitation than more of a command or a recommendation. Because this is the new way, because we have confidence in Jesus' blood, then let's draw near to God. Let's not remain afar off. Let's draw near to God. Let's approach him with sincerity, with earnest appreciation, with genuine thanksgiving. Let's not take what God has done for us for granted. Let's not come flippantly or superficially because he is a holy God. He is deserving of all honour and respect. But let's draw near to God. Since this, then that. Because our faith is in the saving power of God. Because he has saved us. That he he does call us into his presence and he calls us to spend time and to get to know him better. Faith that we are forgiven 
that we stand before him with a clear conscience. We no longer carry the guilt that we once that once burdened us down. Faith that our baptism has made public to everybody around us that we trust in God. Because of all of this, we're not ashamed to declare our faith in God. God is waiting for us and God is urging us to draw near to him. He wants us to come into the Holy of Holies. He wants us to come into his presence. Really what God's saying here is, because I've done this for you, please draw near to me. Isn't that wonderful of our God? I've done everything I can to open up the way for you. Please draw near to me. And he is true to his word. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. It's a promise. Now there are three exhortations in this passage. The first one, let us draw near to God. I exhort you, draw near to God. Don't sit back and wait for God to do the miraculous thing for you, to come to you in some burning bush. Draw near to God. So what does your relationship with God look like? This is the first step in our worship of God. The next comes in verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. We live in an ever-changing world, a world of hopelessness. You look around our world today, a world of chaos, a world without hope, a world often driven by fear. This ever-changing world. For those without a faith in God, they have no hope for their eternity. And they have often no hope for today. They feel like a ship without a rudder being tossed about on the sea of life. Their only confidence is in their own strength or wisdom, but at times feeling so weak and powerless. Our faith in God is not something that we can drum up by our own efforts. The full assurance that faith brings comes as we draw near to God. Draw near to God and you will have a full assurance. And so our faith is in our faithful God. Our faithful God, who is the same yesterday, today and forever. Our God who can be trusted, our God who is almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere present. He's the one in whom we can place our hope to see us through this life into the glory of eternally being in his presence. So as 
we live our lives in worship of him, let us hold unswervingly to him, drawing near to him, growing to know and appreciating him more and more each day. In other words, developing and fostering our relationship with him. Again, what does your relationship with God look like at the moment? Are you developing? Are you fostering that relationship? Because relationship means two-way communication. In our ever-changing world, if war were to come to Australia, if you are to face financial ruin, if we receive the terminal diagnosis, For those with kids, if our kids reject us and for some as they they experience it, if it were to happen to you where your kids no longer want to even make contact with you. If you're to be rendered a quadriplegic. For those in school, if the, the school system calls you to accept evolution... Where does your hope lie? Regardless of all of those circumstances that may be, where does your hope lie? Will we hold unswervingly to our God and the hope that we have in him? For he who promised is faithful. He who promised does not break his promises. The third and final exhortation comes in verses 24 to 25. Since this, then that, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us spur one another on and encourage one another. And so this expands our worship of God from the individual to the corporate. We're to live out what we believe in relationship with one another. Worship involves all aspects of our lives. Our whole lives are to be lived in worship of God, not just what we offer on a Sunday. Worship is not just a private experience. It's to be lived out for others to see and for them to be the beneficiary of. And so my worship of God is not just for my benefit, but it should benefit you. It should be a blessing to you. So let us consider how we may spur one another on and encourage one another. He says, let us consider, let us give deliberate thought as to how we can encourage one another and spur one another on. You see, the worries of the world, the deception of the evil one can be distracting, can cause us to lose faith. We need each other. We're all on this same journey and we can struggle at times. Every one of us can struggle at times. The person sitting behind you, beside you, 
They struggle at times. We need each other. There's strength in numbers. But the writer is encouraging us to be purposeful and deliberately think about others. Now, many a Christian will go to a church service with a consumer mindset, always looking for what's in it for me. But give thought to others. How can I encourage others? How can I encourage you? Those who I perceive may be struggling under a heavy burden, how can I spur you on? And I was so encouraged last week. I came back into the the chapel quite some time after the service had closed. I was so encouraged to see a number of folk in pairs ministering to one another. There were people in pairs talking deeply, caring for one another, praying together. It was so good to see. People taking time to come alongside one another to keep the faith fire burning. Who can I encourage today? Is a better question than coming, I wonder what I can get out of church today whether it'll be to my liking. Spur one another on toward toward love and good deeds. And once again, we're being encouraged to see that worshipping God is, is not just about us. It's about spurring one another on to love and good deeds. To contribute into the family. We're all the one family. Contribute into the family to bless others through our love and good deeds. And so let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. This is not a new thing, is it? Obviously not. If this was written by the writer of the the book of Hebrews, this is something that he's stating before the fall of the temple in Jerusalem, AD 70. This is happening right at the beginning of the church. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. Some Christians will say, I don't need to go to church to worship God. Well, Sadly, during COVID, many folk have chosen to withdraw from church and connecting with one another. Sadly, too, during COVID, many folk have forgotten to encourage one another and to spur one another on. Build one another up. Affirm one another in their faith in God, remaining focused on Jesus. Instead, unfortunately, they've let vaccinated or not vaccinated, masked or not masked, become a barrier to their fellowship with one another. And sadly, this issue has divided churches and it's divided families. And I heard just this week of a church associated with 
us with churches of Christ in Queensland where this is where this has happened. And brother, blood brothers are no longer talking to one another because they hold a different point of view. This should never be. And it highlights how our worship of God is not just an individual experience, is it? It's to be expressed in community as our faith affects those around about us. You see, the church is not a building, it's not a bunch of programs. The church is the gathering together of the faithful, the community of believers. It's the family of God. And worship is not just an individual practice or an encounter with God on a Sunday, but it's a corporate reality that is lived out in relationship with one another. So let's come back to the passage and we'll read it right through. Brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with a full assurance that that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day approaching. And all the more, as you see the day approaching. Confident in the saving blood of Jesus, draw near to God, hold on to the hope that you have, spur one another on to love and good deeds, encourage one another, be the church. Be the church. Amen? So what does your relationship with God look like? What does worship look like for you? Don't let your faith be an academic exercise. Don't let it become a religious experience. But rather let's worship God in a way that we live our lives every moment of every day. Fostering our relationship with God, fostering our relationships with one another encouraging one another, spurring one another on. We need each other.